Best Book Bits podcast brings you Mackenzie Andrus, a poet, copywriter, classical philosophy lover, and author of the book, A Simple But Effective Strategy for Success. Mackenzie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Michael. Big no fan worries. of your show. Yeah, for, my audience who, uh, don't, for my audience who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself, your younger years, and the journey, how you got here so far. Yeah, so I'm about... Uh, 23 years old, turning 24 soon. I started uh, writing a couple years ago, but I didn't take it seriously until about two years ago. And then I started writing for university students because I was really into the classics and the humanities. And I was writing all these essays and wasn't really going anywhere with it or making much money. And then I had a buddy who was actually into marketing and I didn't know a single thing about marketing. Like still, there's so much to learn about that. And to be a copywriter, you have to be a marketer. But he's like, hey, I could make you more money if you want to write for me and learn how to write. And it's, it was a lot more simple writing because I actually uh, I don't have like an English degree or any of that. So it and lots of people say that can hurt you in copywriting skills because you're too worried about sounding smart rather than selling the stuff. Right. But then the book is actually a funny story. So it was uh, supposed to be a lead magnet for my business when I first started. But uh, then, I, since I didn't know anything about marketing, I kind of made it for just uh, self-help readers in general, which isn't my target audience. Like, there are tons of people who read self-help books and would listen to your podcast that wouldn't need my copywriting services because they don't necessarily have anything for sale yet. So I'm glad I wrote it, but it's, it's a funny story. I wrote it for the wrong purpose, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Whereabouts, um, whereabouts did you grow up and whereabouts did you go to university? Um, I went to uh, college in uh, Calgary, Alberta. It's called SAIT uh, Institute of Technology. Just did some project management courses there. And then I realized like, uh, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to get an actual degree in anything. So just did kind of some certificates. And I went to high school, Calgary, Alberta too. Uh, I'm glad my parents brought me here because... They grew up in Edmonton, which is just a town up north, and we kind of have like this neighbor neighborly rivalry, and it's just not a nice. It's a nicer town, Calgary. So glad I grew up here. Now I live uh, downtown. Get to talk to people, see more people, right? Next to the mountains yep. too. And with your writing, what what was your um, with your obsession with writing? Where where did the poetry sort of start with? There, what was, what was the first sort of creative pieces of writing that you started to do? In grade seven, in grade three, I wrote with one of my friends, Star Wars Episode Seven. We were just, we were like writers, we were creators. Uh, and when they, when Disney published Star Wars Episode Seven, I was like, oh, they ripped me off. <laughs> Even though I did a better job, I, I brought Darth Maul back and certain things that they did in uh, the Disney Clone Wars series. So it's like. I felt like they read mine, even though all we did was like print my little book and hand it out in our elementary school. <laughs> so I don't know how they would have got it. Yeah. We didn't put it online. But, and then, yeah, I've kind of been writing my whole life. Not too, I haven't published much, any fiction or anything. So kind of uh, into the philosophy self-help right now. Fiction, you kind of got to go crazy yeah. to, to get good at, right? Like, just imagine George R. R. Martin, who wrote Game of Thrones, sitting sitting in his office hours a day coming up with that plot right <laughs> it's 
talking about the characters to his wife who don't exist. All this stuff, right? <laughs> where did your uh, where did your obsession with classical um, philosophy come in, and and what's the story about knowing all the emperors chronologically? No, that's a good one. I actually don't can't think of where that kind of took off or started. It's, it might have been like YouTube historians, like got me into history and whatnot. And uh, I think it was like maybe fantasy and fiction that got me into that whole thing. And then realizing that all the the fantasy and the fiction and the tales we tell are all kind of repeats of the classics in their own way. Especially, uh, I was a big Disney kid, right? And all the Disney movies are extreme remakes of the classics, you know? And uh, that kind of got me into the whole telling the story theme, right? But uh, there's this one podcast or and YouTube series you should check out. Anyone who likes Roman history should check out. It's called The History of Rome. Um, I forget who it's by. It's just called The History of Rome. And there's like 20, 30 hours of one-hour episodes. And it's insane. It, it goes chronologically from the... Because it was a it was a kingdom, right? There was Romulus and Remus; they were the kings, and then there was the uh, Republic, and then it went Caesar was the first dictator, and after Caesar, it never went back to being a republic. It was always a dictatorship, essentially. They still had republicans, and nowadays the U.S. government and most big democracies in the world base that off of uh, Roman history. The reason they have a president and a figurehead is because people liked having a dictator. Or people liked having, I guess, because some, some would argue that Caesar wasn't a dictator because uh, he wasn't, by definition, a military dictator. He, he did certain things that Hitler didn't do, for example, like give bread to people and win votes. <laughs> but the reason we have a figurehead is because of that system. And then we still have Republicans because the figurehead's not smart enough to rule everyone. <laughs> so I advise everyone, yeah, got it. anyone who, something learned, new. who wants to look into how our society works to study historical societies yeah awesome learn something new every day and um can you name the emperors chronologically off the top of your head you know i could after that podcast but uh right now i don't think i could i could if you put me a list in them i could mismatch them but maybe starting at caesar you know and then there's like uh octavian because their names all get confused too, because Octavian was Caesar. He was also Octavius <laughs> and a bunch of other things. And then it, his actual name by in the historical books is Augustus, but it's the same guy. <laughs> and that was yeah, like, it. It, so I can't name them no more. I can't name them no more. And that's because even if you learn something new every day, if you don't use it, you're going to forget it. <laughs> and I don't have a job teaching yeah. Roman history, so. I'm not going to remember it. No, I got it. No, it's one of the things that came up uh, on your profile and uh, I thought I'd just ask you the question. But we're going to jump into your yeah. book soon and you're going to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about your, your copywriting business. Um, how did that start? And um, how can people like myself or just the average folk improve their copywriting, some tips and, and some hacks as well? Yeah. Um, well, we have a blog that has uh, tons of good information. We try and post weekly on it. And you could subscribe to that at uh, blockbar.com. Uh, we do business and a little bit of growth, kind of personal growth tips. It's not like uh, like life coaching type stuff, but if you have a business 
definitely growth tips and habits that will help you strategize properly and work efficiently. Um, and my so my buddy got me into copywriting and then he gave me like all his marketing information and then he just kind of like stopped giving me clients or like I don't even know what he does anymore. He just kind of like dropped off the face of the planet. He doesn't much he doesn't really have a website or anything or any of that stuff. So I just took his his uh, systems that he gave me, started operating on my own, started researching my own systems. And uh, when you start an agency, you get in these funnels on Facebook of other people's agencies where you're just getting tons of lead magnets, where a lot of them are their own agency operating procedures. So you can steal those and see if they work for your business. And they give you them for free. You just got to get on their mailing list. And one tip I have for every copywriter or even a if you want to advertise an e-commerce agency or anything is to have a swipe file. So that's an email that isn't your good email that you sign up to all these accounts and newsletters for. So then when you go into that, you can just see all good headlines, good email marketing, good lead magnets. It's just like a treasure trove for copywriters and marketers essentially. And it'll get messy if you do it in your yeah. personal one. <laughs> Look, I've got a problem with copywriting itself. I mean, it all reverts back to, you know, sales and money. But at the end of the day, uh, I think good copywriting or good writing uh, comes from the heart and is authentic. Uh, I know I haven't really used copywriting services myself and I do all my emails myself, all my writing, all my, all my stuff personally. Mm -hmm. And I think or, being authentic with writing and basically talking about how you how you feel instead of writing from a, a point of I want to make money from this particular email post article mm -hmm. book whatever it is uh, so I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between selling and actually talking and being genuine as well and I, I think people can really pick up on that and read that too but um yeah, strange world of, of copyright, and, and, and that's your business. It's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth its uh, weight for certain businesses that that just want to transact. Um, yeah. Any other tips or or tricks people can improve in their in their copywriting that you know? Well, I'd say when you're starting out, uh, don't do work you don't like. When you're starting out, you you can you got to work for whoever, right? But don't later on don't do work you don't enjoy don't do work you don't love i just turned down a client it was a big big client they wanted me to write like thousands of words per month and uh it was for casinos and that's why i turned it down because i'm i'm not a big gambler i don't understand all the rules of gambling games and all the copywriting was like rules of gambling games you earn this 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 and i would have had to like change my whole industry to to learn how to just write copy for them. And like you said, if they're authentic and that person who owns that agency or that company actually likes gambling and likes what they're doing and what they're talking about, it'll be easy for them to write about it, right? And yeah, they'll believe in what they're writing, what they're, they have to give, not necessarily what they're selling. Yeah, so only work in the areas that you're proficient in and have sort of an understanding or even a, a passion for as well. Yeah. No, nah, totally, totally good. Now, jumping into your book, um, I know you've said it's a blend between copywriting and a self-help uh, book in, into a story. So when did when did it come about and what was the idea of, of publishing uh, and writing the book? 
what was that process like? Um, so it came out about 10 months ago, I think uh, January 2021. Um, and honestly, it was a good grind for me because I, I wanted to do it as a lead magnet, like I said. So I had I had a business partner at this time who uh, I no longer work with. He works with another company, um, but we're still good buddies. Uh, fortunately, we don't talk as much. He he says he has this uh, what's it called? No talk policy where he can't talk about his clients or his agency outside of work. And I'm like, oh, that's very professional. But I want to know what you're doing, <laughs> how we can help each other. Um, but so I was just grinding every day, like uh, an hour or two a day, and uh, I got it done. And I had never written any long form things like when I wrote, even when I wrote the pieces in my school days, they were only like a couple thousand words, a couple pages type things. Uh, this is my largest piece, and it's still only 10, 11,000 words, like uh, 40, 50 pages, right? So I kind of wrote it for people who don't really like to read because my I grew up in a kind of a poor neighborhood and no one really liked to read I don't know reading is kind of a that's when I, when I noticed that smarter people or not not smarter people uh, people with wealthier people read I started reading more and I started re I looked up the best book in the world to read and it was like Dale Carnegie how to win friends and influence people and that's one of the only books I've actually read like three times because I still fail to repeat the principles in it and it's like the title of your book almost matters more than the content but what I think the best titled book in the world is Rich Dad Poor Dad because that book is a story in the title you know and everyone knows that book my friends who don't read my friends who barely read they've read it they like, oh yeah, even I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I'm not rich yet, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you need money to get into real estate, which is what Robert Kiyosaki talks about, but it's still good principles. And the reason that book sells the most isn't because it's necessarily the best book. It's the best story, the best title, you know, that's what I yeah. think. So I'm trying to well, get non-readers to... into reading. <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, kicking off with rich dad poor dad there's a, a story that the rich dad did not actually exist there's no evidence that he exists and robert's been pressed oh. on this but it doesn't really matter because uh, yeah exactly. because a it's a good story and and, and b it, it it drives the point home yeah. um so i think in story form talking about you know personal development or any or any information it's mm -hmm. best to live it in stories because we actually come from a from a tribal background with with yeah. telling stories around the campfire uh, back mm -hmm. in the day and come from an oral tradition uh, before we had the invention of video and audio people yeah. had an oral tradition of learning and that was through stories but I want to jump into your book I have read it a fantastic book so if more anyone's out there grab a copy a simple but effective strategy for success chapter one was great uh, stay productive and you talk about the difference between being proactive and productive. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so being productive is like, for example, I vacuum my apartment every single morning and it makes me feel productive. And lots of people would say that's a time waster. Lots of these uh, YouTube gurus and life coaches would be like, what's your time worth? Calculate your time, get a Roomba. You figure out that 15 minutes of vacuuming every day is actually taking up this much time. but 
not every single hour of my day am I getting paid, right? I'm not necessarily working when I, like I do get some royalties from the book and some other stuff that I don't have to necessarily work for per hour, but generally when I'm working per hour, it's I'm sitting down grinding and I'm trying not to be distracted and I'm trying to be in my productive mode. So when I vacuum my apartment in the morning, that makes me feel more content and productive or proactive throughout the day. And productivity is if you were to vacuum your house and it doesn't do anything for you. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. it's, it's like there's, my buddy had a good example. It's like when he said you can only do three big things per day, three main things per day. And I didn't, I didn't believe him at the time. I was like, what are you talking about? Three, three main things per day. And then I started filling up my, my, uh, my to, to-do list for the day with like six, five, seven big things and I wouldn't get them done. And it started to uh, have a negative snowball effect where I would get less done and less done. And then I'd feel like, oh, I don't need to get it done because I didn't get it done yesterday. And it's, it then becomes okay in my mind to, not, to go to bed at night without checking something off my list. But that's because I might have not prioritized my tasks. Like, for example, my girlfriend got me this nice business agenda and I was writing it down, writing everything in there. And, but I was writing things like have a smoothie workout vacuum. And it was just like too many things to check off. And I do those things anyway, but I just want three main things to do per day. And that's, that will be most productive, I believe for most people. Yeah. Yeah, the thing I got out of that chapter was it was the ability to produce. So every day, instead of being busy, uh, just mm. produce something, get a result out of the day, whether yeah. it be creating something, writing a few words, doing something that moves the needle forward and kicks the ball forward every yeah. day. Uh, that That's what I took out of it. So that, that was a great chapter. We're going to do a couple of speed rounds. So I'm going to go through some of the chapter heading topics and um, you tell me exactly what... Uh, you think that chapter was about so we'll jump into chapter two which you talk about love your work so talk to me about that yeah um, loving your work is important because if like we said earlier if i were to break for this casino business i would get stressed out i would become more negative uh, i'd start slowly hating my job and it would uh seep into other areas of my life slowly like and i'm not not as like hard work isn't necessarily bad because when you work hard, you feel good after, right? But it has to be rewarding work. Like, for example, I don't mind, like, um, I used to landscape right out of high school, right? Mowing lawns for eight hours a day. That was hard. That was brutal at first. Now, when I go mow my lawn, it's fun because I have an hour or my mom's lawn. I don't have a lawn. I have an apartment. But when I go mow it, it's fun because takes an hour and it makes me realize why I'm doing it, why I like it, why I have a lawn and that maybe one day I'll pay someone to mow my lawn, but probably not because I like that one hour using my yard. And loving your work is super important because it makes you more hyper productive and what's it called? Uh, exponentially productive. Like you, when you started Best Book Bits, you probably didn't do a book every single day, right? A book, a book would be every single day. But now, now you're you're putting out a podcast every single day, right? And that's that's insane. Yeah, and so, right. yeah, yeah. So when 
when you that affects other areas of your life so when you want to make perhaps another project or something you know you can do it because you've done it every single day in this area and you've only done right. been able to do that right. because you like it even though once you like something and you probably know this more than anyone that you love something and then you make it you your job it starts to become less uh less rewarding less fun it seems somehow some it can seem like that but that's something that i'm trying to work on and research into yeah one of my one of my takeaways from it with love your work is if you're going to be working anyway whether it be 20 30 40 60 80 hours a week you might as well love what you do because it won't feel like work and as it, it's hard work so if you're going to do something for three five ten twenty years you yeah. might as well love it and if you love it it's not work it just becomes play so don't be working at a job you don't like because that is your life you're giving away and if you're yeah. giving away your life to something that you don't love well that's not the best use of your time and and as you said it's going to affect all other areas of your life spiritually yeah. mentally relationships health wise but if you love what you do it's going to give you more energy than it takes so that was my take on that um yeah. and jumping into chapters three just do it i mean it speaks for itself the nike logo but what exactly did you mean about just do it just do it oh so that one is all about uh screw the haters discipline over motivation type thing and uh fail 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 until you get good so it's kind of like a kind of like the quantity over quality principle like i preach uh something lots of other life coaches preach uh prolific quality output which is uh like obviously making stuff every day making sure it's quality and outputting it but you gotta you gotta be able to write before you can write good like my first blogs obviously way worse than my later blogs and they're just still slowly getting better and i'm not sure if i've ever gone back to like the beginning of your podcast and <laughs> checked it out but i'm sure you're not going to be as great as you are now because like even summarizing my own book you could do it way better than me and that's because you summarize so many books right but yeah loving well it. my first when i started doing when i started doing audio summaries and video summaries they sucked and the reason why they sucked is is because I was new to it. Um, and the more you do it, you do get better, but you do get confident, you can get confident and comfortable doing that as well in your own style. Um, at the end yeah. of the day, you're writing your voice, your, your person, not everyone is going to like it, which is great, but you will mm -hmm. find that, that niche of people that, that will understand and get it and become adapted to your work. But yeah, I love the, prolific quality output um that's what it's all about with just doing it number four is pretty easy in the chapter book become a listener um what exactly do you mean by that do you mean listen more than you speak or what, yeah that's what, what do you mean by that that's a, a perfect uh platonic preaching right there but uh so i wanted plato say i don't know he no that was socrates which is so like there's no evidence of socrates existing right plato made him up or it's all Plato's work, but Plato said, Socrates said, um, every man is my superior in that he knows something that I do not and that I learned from him. And that hit me hard when I first learned that because I was a cocky, cocky kid. I got, I was shorter. I was from a rough neighborhood. I had tougher friends. So I run my mouth in hopes that my friends would back me up and all this stuff. I got in a lot of fights. I got 
my teeth knocked in uh, three times. Going to get some surgery here so I can speak with my face uh, more publicly. But so I got in my fair share of fights, and uh, after listening to people, and uh, I realized people just want to be heard, and you don't really get in fights with people. Like I, I understand the whole testosterone manly thing. Like if someone disrespects my girlfriend, I, I gotta, I gotta man up, right? But at the same time. But what if you just ask that guy what's wrong with him? You know what I mean? Like, becoming a listener, it'll make you way more smart, way smarter. You know, when you're talking, you're not learning. I think it was Napoleon Hill who said that. So. Also, it also it sharpens the communication as well. So, if you, like Stephen Covey says, if you if you're coming from a point where you can understand instead mm -hmm. of just listen, um, I talk about in my book where a lot of people speak to. So when someone's listening, they're thinking about the thoughts going on in their head. So once that person finished speaking, they just want to say what they're thinking, but they're not really taking in exactly what the other person actually said. So they're, yeah. they're speaking very reactive instead of um, proactive. Um, yeah. It sharpens communication, and it's, it's a lot better to be understood first, understand the other person, than to just speak your own mind and your own thoughts as well. So listening is, a, I think, one of the hardest skills uh, on the planet to actually nail um, chapter five in the book you go through go the extra mile self-explanatory again um, how do you mean keep keep doing more than what you get paid for what's the what's the analogy behind that chapter yeah so it's like the this is kind of like the employee complex uh, but uh, so a lot of entrepreneurs are very anti anti-establishment anti-employee or whatever and that's that's because the only your business can't work without you. You operate at a loss because you're giving them a return. You know what I mean? So you're making more cash flow for your business than you're getting in return. And but going the extra mile is going to be the reason that you get promoted. It's going to be the reason that you get a raise, even if you've only been at a company for a month versus someone who's been there for two, three years, right? So I got, I got uh, promoted to, uh, I forget what, what this job was. Oh yeah, I got promoted to uh, the head of uh, advertising for this one um, nonprofit agency after a month when they've had online people there for years, right? And that's because I called them like, and I wrote them every day on things that how I could help them. I gave them way more hours of my time than they, initially said they were going to pay me for and then they're like well let's give this guy something you know so you go the extra mile but you can't expect anything in return for it you have to if that'll make you resentful it'll i think see this is like john maxwell's principle you obviously know him big uh big speaker guy um you can't if you expect anything in return for it it can only lead to resentment because not everyone is going to return your favors so you have to do the favors because you want to yeah, absolutely. I think that segue backs into loving your work. If you love your work, you'll go the extra mile because you don't see it as going the extra mile. But if you hate your work, well, it's, it can be very hard to go the extra mile because you're going to hate going the extra mile. So it all yeah. blends in, um, you know, loving your work, just doing it, becoming a listener, going the extra mile. And chapter yeah. six, you talk about visualize success, visualize your victory. Um, obviously, it's very self-explanatory. Visualize your successes while you're not successful. Is that what you mean by that? 
Yeah, I mean, you have to uh, imagine that you already act like that. Like, if you, uh, for example, when I got, um, when I wrote, doubled my income from just working for like $20 an hour to working from home, I doubled my income, but I didn't change my spending habits. So I was spending more, more, just more money on useless crap that I would have otherwise not been because people who make that money are used to making that money. So they've, they've, uh, they almost, and their parents, maybe they had wealthier parents, so their parents taught them how to use money from a younger age. And so when they finally came to that money, they were better with it. But lots of people I know from my neighborhood, they'll get like, uh, they'll get a big wad of cash for some reason, like, uh, Maybe they won a scratch ticket or something. Buddy, I had a buddy who won 20 grand at 18. He was broke in a couple months. And that's like what I was making per year before then. So but another thing back about going the extra mile is when I was uh, working with a buddy in construction, he there'd just be like a simple thing like a nail on the ground. And he'd be like, oh, we don't got to pick it up. It's not our job. And I'd be like... Someone's going to step on it. We're the ones with hammers and nails in here. Let's just pick it up or kick it to the side. Just And for some reason, that little thing stuck with me. Because he's, he's still working for that job the same wage. And he could have got a promotion if he had just went to, picked up a screw. <laughs> yeah, I think it all comes back down to attitude as well. And uh, one of the last chapters I want to jump into and go into some of the... You talk about learn from the experts. Uh, we can go through the list of the experts you mentioned in the book, but tell me who were who some of your early mentors or uh, some of the authors or great books that, that you've come across? I've got the list here. Oh yeah, so I had a, a personal mentor who he, he, te he teaches me classics. I still kind of uh, talk to him sometimes. He went to Ber UC Berkeley for uh, like uh, classical studies or something. So a lot more uh, educated than me, but he, which is why I wanted to work with him because I'm like, oh, look at me, this college dropout. I just got a, uh, I found a mentor at Berkeley and he's the one who gave me all my content to start my classics pages. You know, I wasn't the guy who research, who found out how to download all these versions of the Bhagavad Gita with all these uh, links in the text on uh, readings that you can read and practices that you can do. He found all that. He curated all that. He just, and then I said, can I take this over for you? Because he's kind of going crazy. He doesn't like Facebook. Or he's trying to get people to go to MeWe, this platform with no ads, which is funny because now Facebook is my, almost my baby because of the ads, right? <laughs> That's Facebook's strongest thing. And yep. MeWe is a social platform that you have to pay for, but there's no ads. So people don't mind seeing ads since they don't have to pay for it. But uh, my mentors, I, Robert Kiyosaki, obviously, Rich Dad Poor Dad, I just like how he's uh, very anti-authority, and uh, but some of the stuff he says is, is hilarious. Like, I was watching a video with my dad, because my dad is actually the one who gave me Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's, that's funny. Totally. Uh, he's, like, he's like, don't grow up like me. <laughs> but uh, then we were watching a video of him the other day. Just I was making dinner. I like putting on random YouTube uh, self-help stuff when I'm cooking and whatnot or classical music and Robert Kiyosaki just like makes it look so easy right 
He's like, this is all you got to well, do. A lot of people don't know Robert Kiyosaki. He's he's written probably a good um, a good dozen to maybe two dozen books yeah. after Rich Dad Poor Dad. And one of his new ones is a book called Fake, which I've got on my shelf through there. He talks about okay, yeah. fake money, fake assets. Uh, really strong vocal uh, opponent against, obviously, the, the money system. Uh, so mm-hmm. someone who has made it has realized mm-hmm. that it's not all what it's cracked up to be. I think he's gone to the root of the problem and realized, you know, the fiat money system that, you know, it's it's corrupted from day one. Uh, I call it economic slavery. We all live under economic slavery. Uh, most decisions people make have got to do with uh, economics. And uh, I think we're shifting shifting away from that thought pattern as well and being economic slaves. Uh, but yeah, that's the reality we live in currently at the moment. Um, some of the self-improvement classics you, you've got there as well. So you talk about sort of a man thinketh. Uh, you've got Grant Cardone, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. So some yeah. of the, a lot of those books I've summarized and put on my channel as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Fa- fantastic fantastic books any other takeaways uh uh, from those self yeah well i just want to say i really like uh well i like i recently got into jordan peterson because he's uh myth mythological and uh classically educated he's a very educated guy and he's from alberta which is my home province uh a very small town so in the beginning of his book 12 rules for life he talks about uh big drinking in a small town and all this stuff right and one thing he talked about that I really liked is how he was working on like the railroad and all these guys were just being hard asses on each other and they'd be like that. And that's because like if one guy dropped a drop something or something, it could, it could screw everything up and everyone could get hurt and you had to be on, on your heels in that job. And he, that guy couldn't, couldn't make the cut because he just couldn't keep up with the, uh, the, bantering and bickering it's like being on a pirate ship you know you gotta with a bunch of dudes you you gotta be in it right you gotta get your stuff together and he because he's like he's obviously not a big burly construction guy anymore he's a harvard educated professor pretty scrawny if you ask me but no he he said he used to bench uh, 185 pounds but he's an excellent speaker and then his um his writing, his writing is just very basic. I find it's very, very simple. He he speaks so eloquently, and then his writing, he just tries to convey it simply. And I, I like, yeah. I sometimes am the opposite. I, I just talk like an idiot. I just say, um, all the time and what and all these slang words. And then I, when I try and write, I try and make myself sound so poetic and smart and metaphorical and references. But, um. It's a yeah, part of growth. It's a part of growth, though. So I think the the older you get, the the more simple your words are because you sort of want to cut very very straight instead of going round yeah. in circles. I met Jordan Peterson in Melbourne. I met Jordan Peterson in Melbourne one on one, which was a great experience a, a couple of years ago before he got sick. Uh, I literally ran into him on the street, uh, walking through the streets of Melbourne, and had a chat with him. And yeah, awesome. great guy, um, really nice guy really yeah. humble like super super humble um a yeah. couple other questions i want to wrap up before we jump off the uh podcast so uh i want to know what are you working on at the moment uh or any any places where people can sort of find you on on social media or where, where do you sort of hang out and and what are you working on at the moment 
So I don't like telling people what I'm working on in the moment until it's done because then they're expecting sure. something. But uh, I almost want to tell you just so I have to do it. So right now we're working on uh, the Blockbard YouTube documentaries. So we're going to take um, yeah. all the classics pages that we have um, and turn them into uh, uh, 30 to 45 minute films just with like basic nice stock footage like most of the YouTube documentaries are. No one wants to see me on my computer desk talking for 45 minutes. They want to see, if I'm talking about Greece, they want to see uh, drone shots of Greece and all this stuff. And uh, so we're working with um, some photographers and filmers and right now I'm working on finding an editor because I'm writing the script and everything but I do not want to get into all that computer editing stuff. I think I have a little too many things on my plate. And then also some animations for my poems, my historical poems. Uh, I want them to be super sick, super kind of like Ted Ed, Ted Ed animations, just like uh, five minute videos. You've seen those, right? Um, yeah, yep. people like that. And it explains things super simply. And they can find me, um, you can uh, join uh, my Facebook page, the Block Bard Writing Service. Uh, we just made a Facebook group called The Art of Advertising. We're going to help people advertise their arts, their business, their pages. Because uh, I find I like helping out artists and authors and a lot of very creative people. They don't have very many sales skills or they don't find the, and they don't uh, want to either because they want to just get better at their creative work. But like a uh, it won't, like I said, the title is almost more important than the content, you know? Um, if Lord, Lord of the Rings wouldn't sell if it was called Sauron or if it was called Isildur or one of the guy's names, right? It has to be... It has, and Star Wars says right in it what it is, right? It's a war in the stars. <laughs> um, yep. And you can find yeah, me on Instagram. Unfortunately, you, yeah, you do. Yep. Instagram, at Maculus. Uh or the Block Bard is just our historical poems page right now. They're both kind of connected. And uh, yeah, I'm not really on Twitter or YouTube or anything yet. So. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm jumping into uh, starting to create documentaries. I've got a nice. couple of ideas and I'm working on a few at the moment. So being a creative person myself, uh, I've always wanted to be a, a documentary filmmaker, but I'm going to start mm -hmm. simple and make some really simple documentaries first and then uh, work up through there as well. Uh, one of the yeah. last questions I want to ask you, and I'm interested to hear your people. So if you were to host a dinner party or go out for dinner uh, with three people from the past, dead or alive, who would they be? What would you serve them or where would you take them? Oh, my gosh. Well, three people. Well, should have let me prepare for this one. Um, no, top of your head. Okay. Jesus Christ. If he existed. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah. I want to say Julius Caesar because he's just yeah. so sick <laughs> and uh, this last one could be interchangeable because I'm picking it on the spot but it'd probably be another another leader of sorts or not even a leader, maybe maybe just a smart dude, like probably Plato. Jesus Christ, Julius Caesar, yeah. and Plato. Holy crap, that'd be a dinner party. Plato. And where would I take him? 
uh, I take them to McDonald's. Show them how we live. McDonald's, yeah, that that in would be the 21st cool. So century. Jesus Caesar and Plato at McDonald's. Uh, fast forward to Bill and Ted, excellent adventure. You put him in that little, um, put him in the phone booth, plug him in now. Yeah. And take him to McDonald's. So that would be uh, that would be a great conversation, and uh, that would be a great documentary to uh, yeah. to see as well. But uh, no, nah, cool. Yeah. Well, Mackenzie, I appreciate you you coming on the podcast and uh, giving us your time. Uh, for my audience uh, who now know you a little bit more, um, go out there, check out his book, A Simple But Effective Strategy for Success. If you need some help in the areas of copywriting, check out his business there. How do you spell the business again? It's uh, You said it's Block Bard, is that correct? Yeah, just block, block Bard. Block Bard, yeah, because we are on the block and we're the Bard. <laughs> Got it, no problem. Mackenzie, thanks for being on the podcast and have yourself a great thanks day. Thanks for having me, Michael. You too, right on. No worries at all. Speak soon. Okay, bye.